Good morning. If we have not met yet, my name is Melanie. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I love I love Mother's Day, to be honest, because it is a really good opportunity to honour the women of Real Life Church, which I would consider motherhood to be so so broad in its reach. And in the house of God, it's amazing to watch how women mummy, really. It's beautiful to see, so... I'm very blessed to be able to speak today. Um, I'm married to Stuart and I'm a mummy to Levi and Asher, but I have seriously been a mummy in the house of God for so long and it's probably my favourite thing to do is to help people see Jesus, meet Jesus and grow more in love with Jesus and become more like him and I use all of my mummy gifts for that and I've been doing it since I got saved where I was involved with youth work and I've been involved with kids work and in the community and and I just put all of those skills to use in those areas. So I wanted to talk to you this morning about the table, hence my table here with me. And I wanted to, my big idea for this morning is this, Jesus has set a table for me and everything I need is on it. And I want to talk to us this morning about the tables and the places where we have influence and where we sit and where we minister and the things that God has given us that are for us to use wherever we are. So it's as if wherever I stand, my table is with me and everything I need is on it. So I sit round many tables and as I was prepping this, I realised I sit round quite a few different tables. So I'm just going to tell you about a few of the tables that I sit around. So in my home, I have a kitchen table. And I have to be honest, I do my whole life there around the table. So I sit around the table with Stuart, who I'm married to, Levi and Asher, and we eat together, play games together. Sometimes it's a bit of a circus around the table. You know, when you read books on parenting and they tell you mealtimes are so important, gathering around the table, beautiful moments. No one's written a book that says mealtimes are a circus or a nightmare. I I mean, I, I could write that book of the many times where I've prepped a table beautifully to sit around and eat with my children and my husband and then just the circus comes to town and you literally are looking at the clock thinking how much longer do we have to sit them here can they just go now and sometimes they're like can we get down now and I'm like yes please yes just go (laughs) and we just sit there go ah so I sit around that table I read my bible on at that table I do church work at that table run courses around that table share meals around that table, catch up with people, meet with family and friends around that table, sort out craft for kids work, plan, pray. I do all kinds of stuff around that table. I also have tables in coffee shops and I actually have my favourite coffee shops and my favourite tables and in some of my coffee shops I have my own mug. That's good isn't it when you go into a coffee shop and they're like would you like your normal glass with that almond milk hot chocolate? Yes, please. I have my special mug. So I sit round tables in coffee shops. I work round those tables. I read. I have ideas. I pray. I plan. I meet people. I chat to whoever works there and anyone else who looks like they might be sitting on their own or that God just prompts me to chat to. And in the boys' school, I sit at classroom tables and round the staff room table. 
and I read with people, I support lessons, I fill the staff room table with loads of treats, me and a load of my friends. I meet with the RE lead and sometimes I even sit around the table with the head. I don't know if you've been back into school and sat with a head teacher. It's equally as terrifying as when you were like five years old. Um, and sometimes I sit there, I pray, I open up the Bible, I bless, honour, and I look after people around the table in the schools. And I've asked a couple of people to help me by telling us about some of the tables that they sit around. And I've got my beautiful assistant, Matt Yates, um, who is going to run around with the microphone. So I've asked Hayley first if she would help me by telling us the table she sits around. Good morning. So I'm just going to talk to you about a couple of tables that I sit at. Um, the first is the virtual board table at Acacia Family Support, where I volunteer as a trustee. And um, there are a number of people in this church that are associated with Acacia. Becky, Janine, she disappeared, and Georgina Dean is the uh, is the chair of the trustees. Um, as you know, Acacia is a local Christian charity focused on supporting families with post that suffering from postnatal depression and anxiety. And as a board of trustees, we get to kind of roll out the vision that was placed on the hearts of a couple of local mums who, who experienced postnatal depression. And it's fantastic for us as a group of people to be able to sit around a table and look at scripture and what God put on their hearts and to help steer the charity and to think about how we can help and support the staff and the volunteers of the charity and we've been really blessed particularly in this most recent season where a lot of charities have suffered Acacia has flourished Acacia has flourished which has been amazing um, the second is a prayer meeting that um, I set up at work so many of you may know I work for Zurich Insurance which is a global insurance company and we're really fortunate that the company encourages us to be our whole selves at work so we're encouraged to you know make representation for any sort of group that we belong to and that seemed then that it was a no-brainer to look at setting up some sort of prayer group for people of all faiths or none that can come along and and sit together virtually obviously because we're all over the place um, and in the UK, I'd say there's probably about 10 of us that meet every Wednesday lunchtime for only about half an hour. Um, and we get to pray for one another. We get to pray for issues of the day. So obviously the situation in Ukraine has been high on our prayer list recently. Um, and we pray for the company and things that are happening within the company. And we're really supported by our executive team. And they even occasionally send in prayer requests, sometimes personal, sometimes corporate. Um, but it's really encouraging that we're able to do that and that we can sit together, meet together just for that time. And it's a real blessing to do that. Thank you. Um, thanks, Hayley. Is Becca next? She's going to tell us about some of her tables. Um, so in my home, I have a lounge table. So around that table, I'm a wife and a mummy to two children. Uh, I run the home and do admin. I read my Bible and try to look after myself. Um, from that table, I join our wider family, uh, caring for some quite frail relatives. Um, in my workplace, I'm a GP. I have tables. Um, I have a clinic table where I meet patients, make decisions, provide care. 
I sit in the homes of my patients when they're unable to go out uh, and when they're dying. Um, I'm a colleague there and a friend. Uh, I lead a life group. We have a table where we eat cake and crumble and try and look after each other, grow, grow each other and have some fun. Um, I like to sit around other people's kitchen tables or at coffee shop tables. Here I connect with friends from church, friends from my daughter's school. Um, I seek to bring something of God to those tables and to bless. Thank you, Becca. Uh, we've got Ade next. She's going to share about her tables. Sounds like youth are walking past us very quietly. Uh, because they've got Ben Senior leading them this morning. So they are so quiet and so gentle. And at no point will he have said, walk past shouting. So thank you, Ben. Ade, tell us about your tables. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You've sent it to me, so I... <laughs> You sent it to me on WhatsApp. Shall I send it back to you? Okay. Oh, yes. Sorry, we have. <laughs> so I have three significant tables in my life. At my dining table, I share meals with Mark, Christian, and Agnes. I also play games, hold family chats, we pray, read Bible. Um, we share meals with extended family and friends there. At our coffee table, we hang out. We hang out with family and friends. We place our movie snacks on there. I hold chats with my friends. We laugh and we cry. Sorry, I'm a bit wobbly today. It's a difficult day. At my office desk, I meet with various adoption and fostering organizations. I meet with Home for Good to share ideas about events that I deliver with them. I plan my work with adoption agency leaders. I read life stories of those people who apply to be foster carers or who want to be adopters. I share their strengths, I observe, I share the strengths I observe in their stories. I create my work schedules, I exchange ideas with others from around the globe about racial disparity issues and how we can tackle it. We discuss ideas about how to care for vulnerable children in UK and around the world. I do all that without leaving my home. Thank you, Ade. Well done. And then, Matt, you need to run all the way over here. It's a good workout this morning, Matt. Uh, and Sarah Mottram's going to share about some of her tables. I sit around quite a few different tables. In my friends' homes, I sit around kitchen tables and share meals and play games. I spend time with their families, we do life together, we talk about Jesus together, and we're real with each other. On a Friday night and a Sunday morning, I sit around tables with our young people. We learn about Jesus, we read our Bibles, and we get to know each other. We ask difficult questions, we laugh, we get creative, and we make a mess. 
At work, I also sit around a lot of different tables. I sit around meeting tables with my psychology team. I offer therapy, develop groups, and I support women who have complex mental health problems. I share ideas, I'm listened to. I implement new initiatives, and I teach others how to do the same. I also sit around tables with my ward team. I listen to them, support them, encourage them, and help them to look after their well-being. Around this table, we work hard, we do our best, and we celebrate our achievements. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. See, Jesus has set a table for me, and everything I need is on it. He's set a table for you, and everything you need is on it. And many of you will sit in loads of different places at lots of different tables and have lots of different ways that you can influence. I've asked Gabby to read. You have to get up again, Matt. Sorry. There's only two more. I've asked Gabby to read uh, Psalm 23 for us this morning. Thank you, Gabby. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in, the, in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your road and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. The Lord is my shepherd and I'll not want. I love that psalm, but the verse I really want to zone in on today is the bit that says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. As women and men, we have a very real enemy who prowls around our tables. So wherever we sit, whatever we're doing, we have a very real enemy that prowls around our tables. I want to tell you a few things about him, and then I want to tell you, real-life women and real-life men, how God has set our table so that we can do all the things that he's asked of us, the things that he's given us that are there, ready for us to pick up and put on. So firstly, the enemy who prowls around our table is supernatural. And we need to not attempt to silence him with anything natural. So in your own strength and in your own being, you will not be able to deal with the work of the enemy in your life. The only way to deal with the supernatural is to come with the supernatural. He thrives on too much attention. So if you are fascinated by the occult, witchcraft, if you are fascinated by the things that are dark, he will thrive. And we say this many times from the front because it is our job as shepherds to warn. He will thrive 
in your life, in your home, if you give him too much attention, but you cannot ignore the enemy because he is looking to distract, deceive and destroy the people of God. And he can do this while you sit at your table with everything you need on it. Because one of the best ways he works is he distracts. So I think although the enemy is out to deceive and destroy, I think the best thing he often does is simply distract us. Simply turn our heads. Simply avert our gaze. You find it in worship, don't you? I don't know what you're like. Like like comes to worship and then suddenly I'm like, oh gosh, I need to do this. I need to do that. What's happening? I think one of the ways that he uses is just plain and simple distraction. Did you leave the oven on? Have you remembered this? Did you deal with that? And and then your eyes are everywhere else. When I'm sitting sometimes with people, it's amazing the things that drop into my head that just act as a distraction, that, that just avert my gaze for a moment. The enemy does not have a seat at your table, but he does prowl around it. And he seeks to distract, deceive, and destroy. So let me tell you, real life women, if you are married, your husband's not the enemy. He's not. He's not the one prowling around your table trying to deceive you. If you're a man here and you're married, your wife is not your enemy either. Your boss is not your enemy. He's not out to get you. She's not out to get you. Not out to deceive or destroy you. Your co-workers are not your enemy. Your church is not your enemy. Your kids are not your enemy. I tell you, it feels like that some days. But they are not. They are not your enemy. Your family are not your enemy. Your friends are not your enemy. Your neighbours are not. Your leaders are not. We are not out to deceive, destroy or distract you. We are not your enemies. Oh, I tell you what, this morning we've had Ben Senior. Now we've got a phone kicking off. I, I I wonder how that works in distracting, hey? They are not your enemy. Satan is your enemy and he has been after women since the beginning of time. If you look at the story in the garden and you look at who Satan goes for because he wants to take out the whole unit and he goes for Eve. We need to be aware of that, especially on a day like today. And you might have thought you were coming to hear a nice message. They really should have asked someone else to speak. I want to be real with us as women. Satan is after us because taking us out takes the whole lot out. If he can distract, if he can destroy, if he can deceive, we then watch other things crumble all around us. And we need to take note of that. We need to become smart. And I I, I was watching all the photos. I was like, we have got, I, I had a little sob last night when we were checking through the photos, making sure Phil put that all together. And we just wanted to make sure. Do you know there are some of you women who are sneaky? We haven't managed to get photos of you yet. So it's my job to find the couple of people that keep ducking out of photos or pushing their kids in it. 
Um, I, I'm, I will get you. Um, but as I was looking through it, I felt overwhelmed by the women that God had given us here. Smart women, capable women, soft women, beautiful women. Women who sit around so many different tables and influence in so many different ways. But I want us in the spirit to be smart women, to be those who can see, to be those who can discern, to be those who know what's on their table and can make use of it, can make sure that we are dealing with the the enemy as he prowls around, making sure we're smart women and we don't think that our husband, our bosses, our church leaders, our kids are the enemy and we put all our effort and energy into fighting with them instead of dealing with what's going on spiritually. Because that can be just as distracting by thinking those people are against me instead of he is. So I want us to be smart women. So how does Jesus set our table? We've all got tables. We've all got places of influence. We've all got people that we sit around with. We're aware there's an enemy prowling around who's seeking to distract Seeking to deceive and seeking to destroy. So what does Jesus put on our table that we need? So I've asked Di, Matt, I thought you were feet up. I've asked Di just to read out for us the armour of God. Thank you, Di. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which, sorry, my screen's gone blank. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's Ephesians 6, 13 to 18. Thank you very much. So Jesus sets our tables in the places where we can be influential and are influential with some really interesting things. They're not actually that pretty. Most of them are weapons for warfare. But they are things that we need in order to stay sitting at the tables we sit at and be influential in order to be, I, I loved what Haley said about her workplace wanting them to bring their whole selves. I love that. That's what we want, your whole selves. But to bring your whole self, you need to put on some of the things that God has apportioned for you, that God has got for you. To bring your whole self, you need to put his stuff on. So I'm going to run us through some things that, that God puts on our table for everyday wear. These are not because we recognize, oh, it's wartime now, I'll get dressed in this. This is what the Christian should wear every day. 
Every table you sit at, you should have all this on. You might feel it's a bit clunky and a bit uncomfortable. I don't know whether you've ever been anywhere and tried on like chain mail. I always like it when we go to castles and stuff and they've got a dress-up room that I'm sure is for the children. But um, I will pretend that I'm helping out with my boys. And I always love to try this stuff on because a lot of it is so heavy. It's not the kind of stuff that you might just kind of casually walk around in in a hot sunny day like yesterday but it is the stuff that gets you ready for warfare it is the stuff that gets you ready for whatever life throws at you and most of the time when I see casualties it's because they're not dressed right it's because they're not ready it's because they've not put on the armor of God it's because they're not praying and they're not reading their bible because it's too hard at the moment so I left that stuff on my table And it's at that point when you really need the stuff. Women of God, particularly, we need to put this stuff on. We need to put this stuff on daily, even if it doesn't look as pretty as what you normally would like to put on. We need to put this stuff on. So we've got a belt of truth. And that's something that we need to fasten around us every day. You need to put that on. I'm finding at the moment, if I don't put my belt on because I'm in between sizes, that might be too much information, but I'm in between sizes on my jeans. So if I don't put my belt on and I'm wearing, you know, a t-shirt that's a bit shorter, then then my trousers are not going to stay up so well, which is not cool. So I put a belt on to fasten it up so that it stays with me. It's exactly the same with truth. We need to fasten it around us. We need to put it on and wear it. We need to keep things up. We need to basically make sure it all works. We need to read truth, sing truth, speak truth, live truth. Sometimes I'm around people and I listen to them and I think, you surely cannot believe that about yourself, about your life, about what God is like. We really need to get a handle on truth in these days, especially when we live in a culture that truth is subjective and it's what you want it to be. And your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And I'll have a bit of your truth that I like and a bit of this. Actually, the truth is the truth. And apparently the Bible says it will set you free. So we need to put it everywhere. We need to fasten it on us. We need to wear it. We need to have it up in our homes. We need to have the truth all around us. And we need it everywhere. Sorry, I obviously keep doing something with this. We need it everywhere because we are a forgetful people. And it's one of the reasons that God all the way through the Bible reminds us to thank him, to praise him, to because we are so forgetful. We forget the good things that God has done. We forget what he said he will do. We, we just forget stuff all the time. So we need to fasten it on us, wear it on us, have it around our homes. We need the breastplate. This was the best thing I could find as a breastplate. It's a stormtrooper breastplate um, off of a... I, I thought it worked. I couldn't work out. I was going to just bring a plate because in the end I was like, I just don't own a breastplate. And then I thought... No, there's a stormtrooper outfit somewhere here. Shouldn't have picked it up. Um, Okay, we'll stay there. We need the breastplate of righteousness. And this literally means that I put on the fact that I'm right with God. 
I'm right with God, full stop the end. And I'm right with God because of what Jesus did. And I put that on every day. It means I can stand in the very presence of God. It means that I can sit at any table. It means that I can be in any situation. And I am right with God. It's about holiness. We're learning that all the way through our series, Into His Presence in Leviticus. We're learning that actually because God is holy, we can't be in his space unless we are holy. So what Jesus did when he went to the cross is he made us right with God. He gave us right standards so that we can be in the very presence of God. The breastplate looks after the heart, but it really looks after everything. It's the whole idea of the heart being your entire being looks after everything. If we're right with God, everything is right. You know, when you're out of sorts with God, nothing feels right. You might even be here today and you're not a Christian and you think, I love being here, but I feel slightly uncomfortable. I love being here, but I feel slightly uncomfortable. Or if you haven't put sin right with God and you're in the presence of God and you just feel slightly out of sorts, The breastplate of righteousness means that because of Christ, I have right standing with him. I'm right with him, therefore I'm right with the world. And if you're made in the image of God and made to know God, God, you will not feel right in your own skin until you are right with God, because you were made for that. So if you feel out of sorts, if you feel like I'm not quite right, maybe there's some sin to confess. Maybe you're not saved. You watch me speak louder, real life youth. Maybe you're not saved and you need to get saved. Maybe you're putting yourself right. Oh, real life youth. Remind me to thank Ben Senior later on for his um, joyful procession. Charlotte is just like, oh, my days, he belongs to me. Um, Yeah, he's all yours, Char. Uh, So the breastplate of righteousness means I'm right with God. And then we've got these shoes. These, because the sun is coming out, my Birkenstocks are getting ready. They're getting ready to come out in the sunshine. Basically, the shoes that are fitted for the gospel of peace means that every time I go out, I'm clear about my own story and I'm clear about the big story. So I know that God loves me and he has a plan for my life. But I know when I'm sitting around a table, for every person sitting around that table, God loves them. He's got a plan for their life. I know that. I know wherever I'm sitting that that is true. There's no person too far from God's reach. There's no one that I spend time with who's too bad that God can't grab hold of them and pull them in. I know that when I'm sitting with people. I know that even when they're talking and saying, Oh, no, I don't have time for that. I know that God's got a plan for them. I feel clear about that because I've got my shoes on. I know that Jesus died for them in their place for all their sins so that they could be made right with God too. And I know that if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they'll be saved. I know that. When I, wherever I'm sitting, I know that. We've got to put those shoes on and be ready Be ready in whatever table we're sat at, eager and prepared with our stories. You might need to practice that. You might need to get to know your own story. I was hearing someone's story during the week where where they met Jesus when they were very young and have basically grown up knowing him. 
such a beautiful story. And then I shared, I met Jesus in my 20s. And so I have that story where I didn't grow up knowing him and then met him and then had my life transformed. Again, beautiful story. Got to get to know our stories, share our stories, tell our stories. That's part of why we sit around the tables we sit around. Is because God loves your workplace. God loves your places of influence and wants to be influential there as well. We've got the shield of faith on this table So this protects you, but only if you pick it up. So a shield of faith is no good hanging on your wall. Oh yeah, I've got a shield of faith. It's at home. Didn't bring it to this table. No, I'm not not holding it. It is of no use to you whatsoever. In order to use faith, we need to pick up the shield and exercise it. We need to trust Jesus and trust his word and trust his work. You have to grab hold of this no matter what. And this one is tested when it's tough. So when your life is tough, it is then that you really need that shield of faith. Really to hold it up. Because when you are slightly down, the enemy loves that. So then piles in, does God really care? Does God really see you? Does God really know you? Does God even exist? All that piles in so quickly if you falter. What we need is that shield of faith that says, I know him. I know him to be real. I know him to stand for me. I know him to love me. I know him to be good. Even if my circumstances are not good, God is good. And those are the times when we just hold that one up around the table in our lives, going about our business where we just hold it up and go, no, I know him to be good. But that one, you have to pick up. To be honest, you've got to pick all these up, but that one you've got to pick up. And I'm watching people lately and I think, pick the shield up, especially when it's hard, pick it up. Sorry, I I don't know what it is I'm doing, but I will. Well, I don't know what I'm doing, so I can't stop doing it. (laughs) And then we've got the helmet of salvation. This is Stuart's Patriots, oh, not Patriots, American football helmet. This protects basically your head. The helmet of salvation. And you need to put this one on. This one says that I am loved. I am forgiven. I'm secure. I'm seen. Daily, I need to put that on. I am loved whether or not anything else lovely or anyone else expresses love to me, around me. I am loved. So I sit at every table with this helmet on because I need to know that wherever I go. I need to know that I'm forgiven. I need to know that I'm secure. I need to know that I'm seen and I need to know that every day. So if you are thinking, I just don't feel loved, I don't feel seen, you need to come back to salvation. You need to come back to the table. You need to pick it up and put it on again. You need to come back to a place where you remember how much God loves you. You need to go back to a place where you remember what he did on the cross. You remember how he called your name, whether you were five or 25 or 50, however old you were, he called your name. That he adopted you, that he chose you, 
that he brought you into his family. You need to go back to that. And then we've got the sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this one on your table, you will never, ever go beyond. If you are born again, if you are a Christian and you do not read your Bible, you will literally, I don't even know if the enemy needs to take you out. You will have taken yourself out. So the word of God is the thing that that all of this is drawn from. Where do we get to find out the truth about ourselves, the truth about God? It's not through experiences, although they do add to it. It's because we have something that's solid and true and trustworthy. It's because we're reading our Bibles. And oftentimes when people are struggling, um, particularly women, if I'm being honest, they'll say, oh, no, I just don't have time for that. My mornings are crazy. I just, I just don't have time to pick that up. It, it's the thing that slips. It's the thing that slides really quickly, yet it is the one thing that makes everything else work. It's why at my table I will make sure my Bible comes out every day without fail. I feel like I would drown in my job if I didn't. I I don't feel like I'd have anything to give into my workplace if I wasn't reading. I feel like I would be the worst version of myself if I didn't. And on a good day, that's all right, but on a bad day, that's not nice. She's not nice. Melanie, who doesn't read her word, make sure she's holding on to the truth. But I also know that if the enemy comes for me, I cannot, I cannot fight him with my own strength and my own words. What I need is the word of God. What I need is truth. What I need is to be able to say, ah, 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 it is written here, and I need to be able to share what is written here. When my kids say, what about this? What about that? I need to be able to say, it is written here. And I can't do that if I'm not reading it. I can't use the sword. I can't, I can't protect my own life and the work of God around my table if I'm not reading the word. And I know we go on and on about it in church. And some of you are silently rolling your eyes, thinking, oh, here they go again, banging on about reading the Bible. I I would be so happy as a leader to lead a bunch of people that say, I read my Bible. Because I know that if you read your Bible, loads of other stuff will come in with that. God will speak to you. God will stir you. God will convict you. If you go back to that time and time again, I, I know you'd pretty much be all right. Out in kids and youth work, it's one of the things that we're like, if we can help them read their Bibles and learn to be full of the Spirit, They'll probably be all right wherever they go. There'll be loads of other stuff they need to learn and do. They need to, you know, tie their laces, ride a bike, swim, do all all of these things. Drive a car, terrifying. Um, Have a door key, equally as terrifying. There's loads of things that they'll need to learn and grow and do. But if they can read their word and find God in the word, they'll probably be all right. No matter what is thrown at them. The sword of the spirit, we've got to pick it up. We've got to use it. And women of God, we have got to make sure our lives are not so busy that we cannot do that. If your life is so busy that you cannot read the word of God, your life is too busy. Your life is out of whack. It is out of sorts. It needs order if there is not space and time for you to sit down for 10 minutes and read the word of God and get truth into your heart 
get truth into your head and then get truth out round your table. If you're not reading the word of God, the truth that you're sharing, the things that you're saying are not coming out of a resource well that is feeding lots of other people. It's just coming out of you. And, and that'll be okay, but that isn't what saves people. That isn't what helps people. That isn't what sets people free. And then this one is just an aside, because at the end of the armour of God, it goes through the armour of God, and then it says, Paul says, and then pray in the Spirit at all times. And it's like it's just thrown in there as a little, a little aside. And so I want to kind of put it on the table and say, actually, we need to be those who pray around our tables. And that means praying with us as a church, praying individually, praying with other people, but just getting a bit of prayer around the table. Praying with other people, praying where you are, praying in tongues. It would appear that round the table is a really good place for that to be going on. It would appear that most people would share in some way, shape or form round a table. I get my Bible out, I pray. I pray with other people, I pray with life group. It would seem that the table is a great place for that. So this is what I want you to do. And I'm going to finish with this. I want you to look at your tables I want you to look at where you have places that you sit with people and you spend time with people. Consider your home, the coffee shops, your workplace, the places. You might be retired and you think, man, I sit around a lot of tables with people. Think about the tables that you sit around, your places of influence and consider them. Women, I want you to not see the people around your table as your enemies. I want you to understand, and Eve made such an error in the garden because she, she, she listened to the wrong person. She engaged with the wrong person. Listen to me, women, the people that God has put around your table generally are there for your good and your benefit. They're there to grow you, strengthen you, challenge you, shape you. If they make you feel uncomfortable, good. Some of the best people in your life should make you feel uncomfortable around your table. If all your people rub your bellies, you haven't got the right people around your table. There should be people there that make you feel a bit like you want to storm off and leave the table. There should be people that make you feel a bit like, oh, I've got to work on that. I've got to look at that. I've got to think about that, consider that. The enemy prowls around your table trying to take you out, not the people around your table. They are not trying to take you out. And women, we need to be clear on that. We need to know that God has set a table for us in the presence of our enemies, but there are people who sit around our table that we can be influential with, we can learn, and we can grow. Look at how your table's set. So take a look at your table and think, what am I not picking up, what am I not putting on? Am I not putting on those shoes? Am I not picking up the shield? Am I not using the sword? Do I not get my word out? Am I not sure that I'm loved? Am I not sure that I'm saved? Look at your table and consider it. Think, which bit am I not clear on? And do something about it. And then understand that you have a real enemy prowling around the table, ready to take you out. Most of the time, he works in simply distracting you. So this thing over here will seem bigger than this thing here. And you will find yourself off over here doing all manner of things that take you away 
from what God has put on your table and around your table. Maybe it's time to look at where am I being distracted. Maybe you should ask someone and say, does it look like I'm distracted? Does it look like I'm going off down the right path? Does it look like I'm not concentrating on my table? I would dare to ask some of the people that sit around your table, are there areas where you look at me and think I'm distracted? Are there areas where you think I'm being deceived? Are there weak spots in me that you think the enemy might take me out? And you might be thinking, wow, that was heavy for Mother's Day. But what I want to do is bless you and grow you and help you live out your whole self around your table. And I recognize in this room, there are loads of tables of influence. And I want to say to you, pick up the stuff that God has given you to be as influential as you can possibly be at your tables that you sit at. Don't be distracted or deceived or destroyed by the enemy who prowls around your tables. Don't be spending too much time over here when what God has got for you is right here, right now. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship him.